Thank you for coming today. Thank you for not being too upset at your pastor to not come today. So thank you for that. <laughs> it's a wonderful day as we look at the mindset, the thought of the resurrection of Christ. It's everything that we stand on. It's the, the foundation, right? We talked about that not too many weeks ago. It's the foundation of our faith. Without Christ being alive, without Christ raising from the dead, there would be no reason to be here this morning. Um, and you know, some of you may think there's not a whole lot of reason to be here this morning anyhow, but there is. Uh, it has nothing to do with me and it has nothing to do with you. Uh, it has everything to do with the Lord. And in 1 Corinthians 15, I'll be honest with you, um, <laughs> I had two sermon outlines, and I'm not preaching either one of them this morning. So hopefully I don't just drag on forever. Uh, we're going to try to uh, just go with this, and I think it's where the Lord wants us today. In 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein you stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory that which I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all how, uh, excuse me, first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. And after that he was seen above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. And after that he was seen of James, not that James, but biblical James, then of all the apostles. And last of all he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time, for I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But the grace of God, excuse me, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believe. Lord, I pray for your help this morning as we look at this passage, and there's so much wonderful um, learning text here for us to grab from, and I pray that today you would guide my thoughts and my words, and Lord, I pray that as I uh, speak and present these verses that I would do it clearly and that I would do it correctly, and Lord, I pray that today, above all, uh, the focus is truly on you and the wonderful gift of your son Jesus, and the fact that he rose from the dead. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We see this passage. I usually come to this passage when I'm preaching on the gospel because the gospel is defined in verses 3 and 4 for us, uh, where it says that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That is the biblical definition, the simplest form of the gospel. And I was praying about the message for this week, and again, I, was, I had two, two other outlines that were prepared and ready to go, still are, uh, and maybe when I'm done with this one, I'll go ahead and preach those just for the fun of it, right? Uh, but uh, last night, and throughout the afternoon yesterday, and last night, and even this morning, it just wasn't, I didn't feel comfortable with it. 
And, uh, and so we kept on kind of praying about it and trying to figure out, okay, Lord, because this has happened a few times over my decade as a pastor, uh, Lord, uh, you're kind of killing me here. I, you know, time's approaching, and, uh, and I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to say. Um, but uh, the Lord gave me this passage. It's a great passage. Not that long ago I preached on verse 14, and if Christ be not risen, then, our preaching, <clears throat> then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. And we'll come back to that verse in just a few minutes. But we see here a couple of things that I'd like us to, to grab this morning. Number one, I want us to see it's not about the preacher, but it's about the message. It's not about the messenger, but it's about the message. He says in verse 11, Therefore, whether it were uh, I or they, the others, so we preach and so ye believe. He says there in verse number 9, he says, For I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church. He is understanding his history, his past, and he knows kind of where he stands. He looks at the apostles who followed Christ, uh, save one, right? Judas is not there. The other ones are, and they're preaching, and they're uh, helping with churches, and they're evangelizing, and mission, missioning, and all those kinds of things. And Paul here says, I, I preach also, and I'm an apostle, but I'm, I'm not really worthy to be called an apostle. He says in verse number uh, 8, he was uh, the last one, uh, so to see, Jesus, and, and he was one born out of due time. He was a little later than everybody else and, and whatnot from there. But, but in verse 11, he says, it's whether it's me preaching or whether it's someone else preaching, so you believed. It's not about us, it's about what you're believing in. And that's back to verse number 3 and back to verse number 4, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, but that He didn't stay dead. He was buried, but three days later He rose again according to the Scriptures. When we look at oh, the resurrection, we always have to look at the, the death as well. We have to understand why Christ was buried to begin with, why He was killed to begin with. And we know the Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all of sin... And come short of the glory of God. The Bible also says there is none righteous, no, not one. If you go back to the beginning of Scripture and you look at the, the Garden of Eden and you look at Adam and Eve and you look at the lessons learned there and then you look at the sin of Adam and then the, the, the result of it, Adam and Eve being kicked out of the Garden of Eden and they started their family and there was different hardships and, and, and issues as a result of their sin. And they had two sons to begin with, and the one son uh, didn't always get along with the other son, and he got a little jealous because the one son obeyed God, and he did not. And his anger about that, which again, if you think about it, I'm angry at my brother because he obeyed and I didn't. But the, angry, the anger was so fierce that he ended up murdering his brother. And throughout Scripture, we see from the beginning of, of, of after the sin of Adam uh, until the end of, the, the, of Revelation, we see Christ giving pictures and illustrations of the need for sin to be paid for. And the reason why there was a need for sin to be paid for is because we're all sinners. There's nobody that walks the earth, save Jesus alone. There is no person who has ever walked the earth who could say, I am perfect and not be lying. I've met many of kids who've told me they're perfect. <laughs> it didn't take long to, to break through that lie. 
We're all sinners. None of us are righteous. We all fall short of the glory of God. The Bible goes on in Romans 6.23 and says that the wages or the payment of, de- of sin is death. Christ said that with Adam and Eve. Again, beginning of Scripture. If you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. <clears throat> Immediately after the eating of the fruit, Adam, uh, for the first time, felt the separation of God in his life. Up until that point, the relationship with Adam and with God was, was very close. It was daily. It was constant. But as soon as Adam disobeyed God, there was an immediate separation. So much so that Adam actually tried to hide from God in the garden. Can't hide from an all-knowing God. But he tried. Him and Adam hid and... and, and God appeased them a little bit. Adam, where are you? It's kind of like a father does with a son hiding behind a ball. (laughs) I can't see you. Where did you go? He eventually confronted Adam and Eve and and he, he covered their nakedness, their shame. One of the first signs... Uh, here in symbols and pictures that God gives us of the covering of sin. He, he, he killed a lamb, and He made clothes out of the lamb's skin uh, for Adam and Eve to be covered. The wages of sin is death. There is separation. There is ultimately an end to the fleshly life. And at the end of that life, the punishment for sin comes with eternal damnation, with eternal death in hell. But the Bible goes on to say that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That although there is the one side of the coin that says hell is deserved by all, the other side of the coin is that God sent a gift so that we don't have to go to hell. In Romans it says that God commendeth His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, meaning that even though we were sinners, that even though God knew how wicked we were, Christ died for us. John 3.16, the most familiar Bible verse there is, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish eternity in hell, but have everlasting life, eternity in heaven. In Romans 10, verse 9, it says that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The gift of eternal life. And that's what today is all about the fact that Christ raised from the dead. And God says, if you understand, you're a sinner and you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins, it says in Romans 10, 13, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you believe that Jesus died for you, all you have to do is ask, God save me. God give me life. God give me heaven. I'm a sinner. I know I deserve hell. But I also believe that you sent your son Jesus for me. And it's funny, I've grown up around religion. 
My whole life has been church. And I've heard a lot of different viewpoints and thoughts on this, and I know people who have the sinner's prayer, and it's a good, it's a good motive. There's not particular prayer. There's not a particular uh, phrase that gets you saved. And the greatest example I ever heard is an evangelist that I grew up around. He said, if you're in the ocean and you're drowning, and the lifeguard's up there, do you have to say, oh, Mr. Lifeguard, sir, will you please come out of your lofty seat and come into these raucous waves and pull me out? No, what do you, what do you yell if you're drowning? Help. Help! Save me! The reality is, is our sin has us drowning towards hell. What do we have to say for God to save us? Help. Save me. But in order to be saved, you have to understand you're in danger. In order for God to rescue you, you have to understand you need rescuing. Or what does a sinless person need of a perfect God? But none of us are sinless. We all need Jesus Christ. And we can have Him if we'll simply call on His name. That's the message that Paul is preaching. It's the message that the apostles were preaching. And as he says here in verse 11, whether it was me or somebody else, so you believed. It wasn't about me. There would be later times where there would be churches arguing about uh, which preacher they were going to get. And uh, they, would, they said, no, we're with this preacher. And the other church would say, well, we're with this preacher. And they would argue over preachers and who they were following. It's not about the preacher. It's about whom we are preaching. It's about Jesus Christ. And we have to understand that sometimes we kind of get caught up in the even ourselves sharing the gospel with other people, telling other people about the fact that Jesus came and that He died and that He was buried and that He rose again for our sins. And we'll sit there and we'll say, well, you know, I know I, I probably should tell that person about that, but I'm not sure that I can. I mean, do you know who I am? Have you seen what I've done? I've, uh, you know, I'm not a very good speaker or I've, I've, I've had a, a past that's kind of shameful or all these kinds of things. It's not about you. It's about the Jesus in whom you're supposed to be speaking of. And today we come as fine church folk looking our prettiest. As soon as we walk through the door, we act like nothing happened earlier this morning. You have kids, you yelled at somebody. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're acting like everything's perfect and everything's good. We come here and we feel like, all right, I've done my part. I made it to church. But that's not where it ends. Because if we don't come to church for us, we shouldn't. Now, listen, we get help when we come to church. We get encouraging fellowship. Uh, we get Bible preaching and teaching. Uh, we get songs about Jesus. Today we're getting food. Uh, we get help when we come to church, but we don't come to church for us. Well, we come to church for Jesus. Today we come to celebrate His resurrection, the fact that we serve a living Savior. May we not forget when we walk out the door that we still serve a living Savior. And we ought to live like we serve 
a living Savior. You know, the Bible clearly states that if you call upon Jesus, you'll be saved. And then the Bible goes on to teach us after that what we should do, how we should live, how we should behave. What should our life resemble and be like? But, you know, it seems like we just get so caught up in that as long as I do right on Sunday, you know, it'll make up for everything else. It's a daily action. It's a daily following. It's a daily serving for God. And when we can come to the realization that it's not about me, but it's about Him. It's about Jesus. And it's about the message of Jesus. It will help us to live the way that we ought to live. Second thing that I want to look at, last thing I want to look at today, unless the Lord gives me more points here in the next couple seconds. You say, okay, well, I've done that. Now what? I've done that, but now what? I, I, you know, uh, again, the, the common excuse is I've done some bad things. And I've heard it, not as much here as in other places, but I've heard it. Preacher, you don't understand. Well, the great thing is, is I, I don't have to understand. God's command, God's commission, God's, I guess you could say request, to you has nothing to do with whether or not I understand it. But God does understand. And here again we see, Paul says in verse number 8, And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time, a little later than everybody else. For I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle. Why? Because I persecuted the church of God. Well, what does that mean? Well, if you go back to Acts and you read about then called Saul, you see that he beat, he arrested, you know, involved in the killings of followers of Jesus Christ. And now he's preaching. It's interesting you read through, through Acts. Once Paul comes to Christ and says, as we need to save me, once Paul is saved by God, God tells one of his followers, take him to the church and introduce him. I'm paraphrasing. Introduce him because they're not going to believe him. Why? Because he was throwing them in prison. And all of a sudden he walks up to the door and says, Hey guys, I'm one of you. They were all going to say, No, you're not. You know what's sad is this is true still today in churches. People that we know and we've seen and we've seen their sin and their wickedness and the different things in their life and all of a sudden they walk through the door and they say, Hey, I'm one of you. Too many Christians, not all, too many Christians go, Oh, no, you're not. We're too good for you. We behave way better than you do. We look way nicer than you do. You're not one of us. And what we need is people, as God, I promise you God's told you to do this, is to take those people into the church and introduce them, hey, he's one of us. Hey, she's one of us. Because, sadly, there are too many pious religious people who don't understand what God's great change in someone's life looks like. 
But Paul says, man, I'm the least. It's not the only time he says that in his writings. He says, I'm the least. And what's great is, is he wrote it, yes, but God inspired it. It's given for us to have throughout the record of history. It's almost like God's telling Paul, he did tell him, you are the least. You are not worthy. You know what? Neither am I and neither are you. That's what makes God so great. But then look in verse number 10. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Paul had come a long ways since his conversion, since he was saved. He had preached, he had church planted, he had assisted churches and Christians. Uh, He had traveled many miles. And a lot of people will look back at Paul and say, boy, if I could be like Paul. Boy, if I could be the Christian that Paul was. That's a good standard to set. If I could just be like Paul was, had the heart that Paul had, had the boldness that Paul had. And we look at Paul as this great example. But what he comes to here in verse number 10 is, understand the change that is made in my life. He says, it's a result of the grace of God. By the grace of God, today I stand here as the person that I am. Sometimes we forget about how far we've come. Sometimes we ignore the fact that God has moved us from one spiritual place to another. The maturity that He has grown through us. And we'll make the excuse, well, you don't understand what I've done. I don't have to. God knows what you were, and God knows what He wants you to be, and by the grace of God, you can be what God wants you to be. All of the result of Christ raising from the dead. And Paul stands here a person, humble, understanding, I am not worthy. He says the other preachers that I've had the privilege to preach with, he said they've been through so much. They followed Christ through uh, craziness, through storms, through multitudes of smelly people. Uh, They've seen miracles and they've seen healings and they've seen uh, the feeding of thousands and they've seen uh, angry mobs and they've seen cheerful children and they've seen all these things. And they got to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn from Him. And then they had to go through the agony of watching Him being beaten and hung on a cross. And the great distress of him being buried and having to mourn the death of their friend, of their somewhat father figure, of their master, of their teacher. And then they got to experience the wonderful thrill of seeing him resurrected from the dead. He says, I'm not like those guys. Those guys, boy, and he's he's encouraging them. He's not lifting them up in a wrong way. He's, He's saying they've been through it. He said, the reason why I'm not worthy is is I was imprisoning people like them, trying to imprison them. I was beating people like them. I, I, I had watched and stood by as people were killed because they taught the same thing that they teach and that now I teach. He says, but it's by God's grace that I am what I am. Don't you ever forget that it's by God's grace that you are what you are. You didn't get here on your own. And by golly, you're not going to get where you're supposed to go on your own either. 
It's through God helping you. It's through God training you. It's through God teaching you. It's through God giving you victory and victory and victory. That you can stand, you can say, it's by the grace of God that I am what I am. And it's by the grace of God that I'll be what God wants me to be. And the ultimate way we get to that victory is at the end of chapter 15 here. Verse 54. This is my favorite passage. I say that a lot. This is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. This is a passage I go to at funerals. Uh, Funerals of Christians who have passed away. Verse 54 says, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruptible, when, when my flesh is done on this earth and now moves on to heaven or hell, but heaven is what he's talking about here. Um, and this mortal shall put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He closes out this chapter where he starts off with the gospel. And he says, there's coming a day where on this earth my flesh will die. The Bible tells us we all have a time. It's going to happen. Unless the Lord returns first, our bodies will be laid to rest. It will be buried in the ground. And he says there in verse number, at the end of verse number 54, death is swallowed up in victory. He says there is no more sting to death. Death, where is thy sting? Grave, where is thy victory? He says the, the sting of death is sin. It's the flaws. It's the... Uh, the things that we do wrong, the strength of sin is the law that's showing us our sin. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead gives us the opportunity uh, to rise as well. No, we're not going to uh, be dead, buried, and three days later come up out of the grave and walk again with our family on this earth. But when our earthly life is done, the Bible says, then is heaven or hell. And because of what Christ did, His death, burial, and resurrection, we can have victory because He had victory. The sting of earthly death is no longer because now we have the victory of eternal life. And so for the Christian, he says there in verse 58, Therefore, be ye steadfast. Be ye unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. As a result of the victory that God gives, you should be pretty steady. You should be stable. You should have a foundation under your feet in which when when the world pushes against you, when sin pushes against you, uh, when temptation pushes against you, you can be steadfast and unmovable. Why? Because God gives the victory. Ultimately, because Christ died and was buried and He rose again. 
the reason we celebrate today. And he says there at the end of verse 58, For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He says uh, uh, back in verse number 10, I think it was. Yeah, verse number 10, he says, And His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. He said, if I may paraphrase, The work that God did for me was not for nothing. And then he says in verse number 58, Understand that the work you do for God is not for nothing either. There are religious people who will burn in hell for eternity. Why? Because they're basing their faith and their religion not in Jesus Christ. There will be people who did good things in an effort to earn favor with God that labored in vain. It's because their labor was not in the Lord, it was in themselves. They were depending on themselves to get to heaven. And the Bible says uh, that they will stand before God and, and they'll say, and I'm paraphrasing again, I apologize, but they, say, they, they will say, uh, Lord, we've done all these wonderful works in thy name. And God will look at them and he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. The victory that we have is not in ourselves. There is absolutely nothing that I can do to get myself to heaven. It's only through the victory of Jesus Christ. And if I will work, labor, the word used here, if I will labor for God, if I will work for God, if I will live my life the way that God desires for me to do so, it will not be in vain. As the songwriter said, it will be worth it all. Friend, this morning, boy, it's a wonderful day to celebrate Jesus because He came and He died for my sins and for your sins. And He was buried and He rose again victorious over sin and over death and over the grave, which gives me the opportunity. So now that I can realize I'm a sinner and I deserve hell, I deserve the punishment that Jesus took he, he, he was suffered a criminal's death. He was not the criminal. I was the criminal. <laughs> Yet he, he died for me. And friend, He died for you. And He says, if you believe in your heart that that is true, would you just call on Him and He will save you. And after that's done, Remember, again, it's not about you. It's about Him still. And the work that we do, we do through Jesus Christ. It will not be for nothing. It will not be in vain. Today is a day of victory. Today is a day of celebration. But Today is a day of remembrance where we look back and understand exactly what Christ did for me. And the victory that He's given me and the victory that He's given you, if you've not claimed it for yourself, today's the day to do it. And if you have done it for yourself, then be ye steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. God help us. 
So oftentimes we'll look at ourselves, even after salvation, where we'll, we'll just kind of depend on us too much. It's not about us. It's about you, Lord. Today we're reminded of your wonderful resurrection. of The fact that we don't serve a, uh, an image that was melted and molded or carved or created. We serve a God that lives. God, today I pray that if there's anyone here who's yet to receive you as their Savior, I pray that today they would simply pray, save me. And God, I pray for those who have already received you as their Savior, that God, today they'd be encouraged to be steadfast and unmovable. And Lord, that they would keep you at the forefront of their lives. And that God, we will serve you and we will work for you knowing it is not for nothing. Lord, help us to live in light of the resurrection. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to do so. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I'd like to ask.